بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ففٹینتھ آف جانوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا تھرٹیتھ سیشن And I've reached verse 104. So inshallah today, going through up to and including verse 106. So verse 104, Audhi Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. The day that we will roll up the heavens like sigil, rolled up the books, even as we produce the first creation, so shall we produce a new one a promise we have undertaken truly shall we fulfill it <coughs> so at the beginning of this verse Allah the Almighty and Glorious <coughs> mentions the day that we will roll up the heavens like sigil rolled up books so what is sigil so there's a report in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir and he states this was the view favored by Ibn Jarir Abdullah ibn Abbas and others, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, they said, as-sijil refers to the record eye of deeds. As-sijil refers to the record of deeds. So this is the favored view. So when the Quran says, the day that we roll up the heavens like sigil rolled up books, it means the books, i.e. the records. But there's another report. In Nasai 11,335, Abu Dawood number 2,935, however it's weak. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu said, As-Sijil was a scribe of the Prophet. As-Sijil was a scribe of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if you take this meaning, then it's referring to a companion whose name was Sijil. And he was a scribe and Allah Ta'ala is referring to him when he says, The day that we roll up the heavens like sigil rolled up, i.e. the books. But is this something which is established? So Hafiz ibn Kathir, in his uh, Life of the Prophet wasallam, volume 4, page 491 of the English translation, or 492, he states, I brought this hadith to the attention of my teacher, the Hafiz Sheikh Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizi, He deprecated it strongly. I informed him that our very learned Sheikh Abu Al-Abbas Ibn Taymiyyah used to say, this hadith is fabricated even if it is included in the Sunan of Abu Dawood. Our teacher Sheikh Al-Mizzi commented, I say the same. Stopping the quote. So it's in reference to the hadith in Abu Dawood and Nasai, which mentions that it's talking about a companion called Sijil. And Ibn Kathir, he wanted to verify this even though he was a hadith master. And his sheikhs, they said this is not true. And Ibn Taymiyyah went as far as to say, even if it's in Abu Dawood, it's fabricated. Then Ibn Kathir said, I note that Hafiz Ibn Adi, narrated in his work Al-Qamil, from Ibn Abbas who said 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had a scribe named As-Sijl. He is referred to in the words and he recited this verse. So Ibn Kathir goes, there's another chain. In Ibn Adi in his Kanbul which refers to Sijl. <coughs> and then he mentions Imam Behaki relates it similar. But then Ibn Kathir added, however, within his chain is Yahya Ibn Amr who is considered a very weak source. One upon whom one should not depend. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So Ibn Kathir found another chain for this, a chain for this and he goes, there's a very weak narrator in there. You can't depend upon it. Then he mentioned, stranger still than this is what is narrated by Hafiz Abu Bakr al-Khatib and Ibn Manda from Ibn Umar who said, the Prophet sallallahu had a scribe called Sijil and Allah the Almighty revealed and he recited this verse i.e. Uh, verse 104 of Surah Anbiya. And then he mentions, this hadith is gharib. Hamadan is alone in giving it. Hafiz al-Barqani states, Abu al-Fat al-Azdi stated, Ibn Numair was alone in giving it, if authentic. Then he mentioned, this is also objectionable when narrated from Ibn Umar, just as it was from Ibn Abbas, for a quite different statement is also attributed to both. So what Ibn Kathir was saying was, how can these narrations be authentic from the Prophet ﷺ when the companions who narrated it from the Prophet give a different meaning to the verse? <coughs> Have you understood? So how could they quote from the Prophet mentioning this is a companion, sigil, and these companions themselves give another meaning to that verse? So he goes, that shows that there's something prob- problematic here. Then he says, Al-Walibi and Al-Awfi quotes Ibn Abbas as saying, with reference to this verse, that it means like the rolling of Sahihah, a sheet of paper over writings. Mujahid said the same. And Ibn Jadid said in conclusion, it is well known in the language that Al-Sijil means Sahihah. He went on, not one amongst the companions is known by the name of As-Sijil. So why have I given you that lengthy quote? Because... The hadith is in Nisa'i and Abu Dawood. And the hadith mentions from Ibn Abbas that As-Sijil was a scribe of the Prophet. So that doesn't seem to be true. So why is it in Nisa'i and Abu Dawood? Allah Ta'ala knows best. But the masters of hadith said that this is a weak report, even going as far to say it's fabricated. And nobody knows any companion called Sijil. So the preferred view, like I mentioned, is it's referring to the Book of Deeds. So, now turning to the verse. The day that we roll up the heavens like rolled up books, even as we produce the first creation, so shall we produce a new one. A promise we have undertaken, truly we shall fulfill it. So here Allah has used a very interesting term for the end of the universe. And he goes, rolled up like books. So, what have they discovered? So Sheikh Zaghlul al-Najjar, in his work, Wonderful Scientific Science in the Quran, he said, page 49, quote, Experimental physicists claim that the expansion of the universe cannot go on indefinitely because it is the outcome of one explosion. Since the average rate of the present expansion is less than when it began, then there would come a time for this universe when both forces would reach an equilibrium. 
the outward explosive forces and the inward gravitational forces. As outward forces gradually become weaker, the gravitational forces would begin to contract the universe once again as one entity similar to the original one with which the creation began. The contemporary scholars call this theory the big crunch theory. However, the Quran has preceded science by 14 centuries in pointing to this scientific prediction and he recited this verse. Remember the day we shall roll up the heavens like a rolled up scroll of books. As we began the first creation, we shall repeat it. So what was he saying, the Sheikh, simply? He was saying that there was a big bank. So I don't want to go into that again, but going back to verse 30, Allah Ta'ala indicates there was a big bank. We made the, uh, do not the unbelievers see that the heavens and the earth were one solid mass which we told asunder. So there was an explosion. How is that in the Quran? Because according to the non-Muslims, the Prophet wrote the Quran. How did he know about the Big Bang? Then in Surah 51 verse 47, it says, We created the heavens and we are Musi'un. We are expanding it. And they proved this to be true as well. The, heaven, the heavens and the earth, explode, uh, the universe began with an explosion. And it's expanding. And that's a fact. Question again. How did a man over 1,400 years ago know about that? He told you about the origins of the universe and he's told you, told you that the universe is expanding. Surah 51 verse 47. But then now the Sheikh says there's a third piece of the uh, puzzle. Explosion, expansion. Because it's slowing down. So if the expansion is slowing down, why? Because the gravitational force is pulling it. Eventually it will stop and then it will start coming back. That the the scientists say is the big crunch. The Quran mentions that as well. The origins of the universe is mentioned Surah 21 verse 30. <coughs> the expansion of the universe is mentioned Surah 51 verse 47. And the big crunch is mentioned in Surah 21 verse 104. So just that in itself shows that this is not the speech of man. Then the Sheikh said, he hasn't finished with the verse. Consider the wonderful Quranic verse. And he mentioned this part of the verse. <laughs> Even as we produce the first creation, so shall we produce a new one. He goes, consider this wonderful verse. And then he explained, the universe will return to its original state in the future, a time only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to an extremely dense body which would explode and transform into a cloud of smoke of which another earth unlike the earth would be created and the heavens unlike the present heavens would be created. So he's gone to stage four. <laughs> he goes, okay, it goes back. And eventually it goes back to the intense spot, the, the beginning of creation. And then he goes, there's going to be another explosion. Allah Ta'ala goes, he's going to repeat it. And when the other big bang takes place, everything changes. The earth now changes and the, the heavens change. Where's the proof? He then says the Quran confirms this fact in Surah 14 verse 48 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the day when the earth would be changed to another earth as would the heavens. So look at these amazing verses. <coughs> right? Unfortunately, Muslims, I don't know what they're doing. 
if you say to any person with any brain cell, can you explain this without testifying he's a prophet? The origins of the universe, the expansions of the universe, the destruction of the universe, and then another big bang. How could anybody know that 1,400 years ago? But now what's interesting, the Quran says that on the day when the earth would be changed to another earth, as would the heavens. What does that mean? So you're going to turn to that verse. Surah 14, verse 48. So in Surah Ibrahim, verse 48, Allah mentions this, and there's reports to explain. So this narration <coughs> is in Abd ibn Humayd, Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, Ibn Jarir, Fat al-Bari, 11-375, Sahih Mawkuf. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he recited the verse, Surah 14, verse 48. He explained, This earth will change to another like silver, on which blood has never been shed and on which no sin has ever been committed. So that's what happens to the earth. It turns into a kind of a silver and it's sinless, the earth. Why? Because it's the courtroom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not going to judge on this earth. Too much blood and oppression has taken place. It changes completely. In another report, this is in Bukhari and Muslim, Sahal ibn Sa'ad radiyallahu relates that the Prophet said, On the day of judgment, the people will be gathered on a white, barren, flat earth, just like a white bread. It will have no recognizable features for anyone. So directly from the Prophet in Bukhari and Muslim, the earth is flat. Now what's interesting about that? That proves the earth is not flat now. <laughs> There's people still who believe the earth is flat. So why would the Prophet say the earth will become flat? I mean, it's not flat now. It's round. So look how strange. When you think of a, the earth on which you will be judged, people with no knowledge, they think, oh, it's the earth still orbiting the sun. Because I don't know what planet you're on, brother. You're on the wrong planet. <laughs> the earth's flat. So it's a flat. It's the earth, but it's flat. And you'll be standing on it. It's white. And there's no recognizable features. Ibn Masood said, Radiallahu, in Haakim Ibn Jarir Fat al Bari 11 375, and it's authentic, a white earth like an ingot of silver, meaning it's white but it's more silverish, the earth, the flat earth. <coughs> Ibn Abbas added a detail. In Fat al Bari 11 375, Ibn Abbas recited verse 48, he then explained, Some things will be added to it and some will be taken away. Its hills, mountains, valleys, and trees will be taken away, and it will be spread out like an Okazi carpet. <coughs> so imagine an earth flat. It's got no hills, mountains, valleys, or trees. And some things will be added to it. And I think that's in reference to the Gothel and the Hoth and the pulpit of the Prophet. And it's be like an Okazi carpet. So that now is belief. You can't prove that scientifically. <clears throat> but you can explain that through science and the Quran, through the previous verses. So why does it happen? There's a wisdom because it's the courtroom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So going back to the verse, so what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? The day that we roll up the heavens like sigil rolled up for books, even as we produce the first creation, so shall we produce a new one, a promise we have undertaken. Truly, we shall fulfill it. Meaning, Allah, this is a promise. I'm not going to break my promise. It's going to happen. Now, there's another meaning here. 
If you look at the middle of the verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Even as we produce the first creation, so shall we re- uh, produce a new one. There's a hadith. So this hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. Uh, Nasai number 2081, <coughs> Muslim in his Sayyid number 2860, Ahmad in his Muslim number 2096, Dirmadi number 2431, Hassan Sayyid. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi You will be gathered on the day of judgment, barefooted, naked, and uncircumcised. He then recited this verse. كَمَا بَدَأْنَا أَوَّلَ خَلْكٍ نُعِيدُ وَعَدًا عِلْمًا وَعَدًا عَلَيْنَا إِنَّا كُنَّا فَاعِلِينَ Even as we produce the first creation, so shall we produce a new one, a promise we have undertaken, we will fulfill it. Then the Prophet said, The first to be clothed on the day of judgment will be Ibrahim. And some of my companions, will be taken towards the left side. And I will say, my companions, my companions, <coughs> it will be said, they renegated from Islam after you left them. Then I will say, as the pious, as the pious slave of Allah said, and he recited Surah 5, verse 117 to 118. Surah 5, verse 117 to 118. Where Isa said, and I was a witness over them whilst I dwelt amongst them. When you took me up, you yourself was the watcher over them and you witnessed all things. If you punish them, they are your servants. And if you forgive them, you are the exalted in power, the wise. So this is the report. So let's break it down. So the hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. So what's happened to us? We've described the heavens, we've described the earth. What happens to us is we will resurrect naked without any footwear and uncircumcised. Meaning that even if you were circumcised, you're uncircumcised. You go back to your initial creation. Then the Prophet recited the verse. He then said the first to be clothed is Ibrahim. Why? Because he, his clothes were burnt in the fire. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani said that the Prophet will be clothed next and his clothing will be superior to Ibrahim. So even though he's clothed first, the Prophet's clothing is superior to Allah. And then the report says, and this is what the Rawafid are fond of quoting, some of my companions will be taken towards the left. I will say, my companions, my companions. It will be said to me, they apostatized from Islam after you left. And then he goes, I will say what Isa said in Surah Maida. So the Rawafid said, there you go. The Rawafid, on the testification of the Prophet himself, were apostates. Why did they apostatize? After the Prophet, because they took away the Khilafat from Ali and they assaulted Fatima. So our response to that is, thank you for your commentary. <laughs> what have the scholars said? The scholars, Qadi Iyad in his Shifa, Rahmatullah, he says this refers to those who apostatized after the Prophet passed away. Those who believed in false prophets, those who refused to pay zakat, <coughs> and basically those who rebelled. So technically they were companions. Why? Because they'll come in the year of delegations to pledge to the Prophet So the last thing the Prophet knew was that they were companions. But when he sees them on the day of judgment and the angels are pushing them to the left, he goes, my companions. Why is he not aware? Because the Prophet said in Bazaar uh, authentic hadith in his Musnad, uh, 
He said, my death is a great deal of good for you. Your deeds will be shown to me. And if it is good, I will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if it is other than this, I will pray for your forgiveness. So that hadith is only referring to the believers. So he's aware of the deeds of the believers. Why? Because he can benefit the believers. But if a person loses his iman, the Prophet is not shown the deeds of those people. Why? Because he can't benefit them. No point Allah Ta'ala showing him the deeds of the unbelievers. Why? Because how is the Prophet going to benefit them? They're going to die with unbelief. So these people who the Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala did not show their deeds to him. So the last thing he real he thought was they were companions. So this is how you reconcile the reports. There's no contradiction. And uh, then he quotes Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. In other words, I was with them, I looked after them. When you took me to you, you yourself have been watching over them. If you punish them, uh, if you forgive them, you, uh, you are the most merciful. If you punish them, then you are, this is your responsibility. So note here, the Prophet is explaining this verse. He's saying that on the day of judgment, everything is going back to its original state as they say. <coughs> and also, in Surah 83 verse 6, Surah Mutaffifin, Surah 83 verse 6, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, لِيَوْمٍ عَذِيمٍ يَوْمَ يَقُومُ النَّاسُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ On a mighty day, a day when all mankind will stand before the Lord of the worlds. <coughs> so there's a report. So this is recorded in Bukhari and Muslim, Imam Malik's Muwatta, Ibn Imajah number 4278, Ahmad number 4613, Ibn Katiz Tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu, he relates that the Prophet recited this verse, Surah 83 verse 6, a day when all mankind will stand before the Lord of the worlds. He explained, some of them are covered in their sweat even to the middle of their ears. So you'll be standing uncircumcised, barefoot, naked, and you'll be some will be sweating up to their ears. Astaghfirullah. So the sweat is now piled up to the ears. In another report it mentions, this is in Ahmad and Ibn Kathir Tafsir, Sahih Muslim and Tirmidhi. The Prophet said, on the day the sun will be a mile away and its heat will increase more and more. The crowns of their heads will boil like cooking pots, and they will be covered in sweat according to their sins, some to their ankles, some to their calves, some to their middle, and others will be bridled in their sweat, eye to their faces. So here the Prophet explained in this authentic report, the sun will be a man, meaning it's, it's a new creation. And you should normally die, obviously, but there's no death. And then of course, look how graphic, your, your brain will be cooking. The day of judgment, cooking, right? And you'll be sweating depending upon your sins. Some to their ankles and some will be drowning in their sweat as well. Imagine that one. So this poses a question. How is that possible? You've got a flat earth. Water should also taper off. You can't have one you know, dimension of a sweat and another person next to you with sweat lower than you. How does that work? So then you say, why are you applying physics on the day of judgment? It's a new universe. You don't start using, you know, what do you call him? Uh, all these scientists, theories. This is another universe. But the ulama do go into it. One of the scholars said that just as Allah split the sea for Musa, and what happened? There was 12 parts. How was the water being kept up? 
He goes, so why do you find it difficult that the sweat is different on the day of judgment? So again, they go into it, but I want to mention that because shaitan likes putting these doubts into people's heads. In another report, in Behaki Mishkat Marif al-Hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, sorry, Abu Sa'id asked, how will one be able to stand on the day of judgment for which Allah Ta'ala has said, and he recited verse 6, the Prophet sallallahu said, it will be made easy for the believer so much so that it will appear to be like the prescribed prayer. So look at the contrast. you got the graphic image of a person really, really, you know, in serious problems, serious pain. And you got another person, the whole day of judgment is like a salat. It's done and dusted in what, 15 minutes. So the Prophet was telling you, you've got to work on your piety and it will become easier the more pious you become. The less pious, the less easier that day will become. In another report, in Sayyid Bukhari, Abu Huraira, the Prophet said, the people will sweat on the day of judgment until their sweat penetrates 70 cubits into the earth. Then it will come up to their ears. So this adds a dimension. The sweat doesn't just start falling onto the ground. It actually goes 70 cubits into the earth. Right? So how much sweat is that? And then it starts piling up. Meaning that this is something else. Now again people ask questions. Where's all this sweat coming from? You'll find out brother. Right? So what does Allah Ta'ala say? يَوْمَ يَقُومُ النَّاسُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ A day when all mankind will stand before the Lord of the worlds. And Abdullah ibn Umar would weep profusely upon this verse. But they realized this is an unavoidable appointment but we living in Cloud Cuckoo Land. So this helps to explain this verse. So what does Allah Ta'ala say? Even as we produce the first creation, so shall we produce a new one, a promise we have undertaken. Truly, we shall fulfill it. Now adding a detail, the hadith is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad is Hassan. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, On the day of judgment, Mankind will be gathered barefoot, naked, uncircumcised, and in buhm. We said, Ya Rasulullah, what is buhm? He said, they will not have anything with them. So buhm was a word that even the Sahaba didn't know what it meant. It meant you got nothing. You're naked, you haven't got anything to help you. Buhm. Now why is that interesting? Because... You're in the courtroom of Allah. Allah is not going to give special privileges to people unless he gives permission, right, through the intercession. So there's nothing. Now, people are obsessed with wealth. And this is the illness of mankind. Allah Ta'ala mentions that, that the love of khair is intense. So Allah Ta'ala is called wealth khair. We mean it has goodness if you use it properly. But it's intense. Your love for it is intense. On that day, you will be cursing it. There's a hadith in Sayyid Muslim. The Prophet said, there'll be a man, I'm paraphrasing, and there'll be gold, silver in front of him. And he'll be looking at it and he'll be cursing it. And he goes, because of you, I shed blood. Because of you, I did this. And Allah Ta'ala has brought it all back. <coughs> Look how interesting. <laughs> because there you go. That's what you spent your life on. Enjoy the spoils. 
What's he going to do with it? <laughs> Imagine somebody goes to you, gold is useful here. On the day of judgment, what are you going to do with it? He's crying. He's looking at what he... So look at these people. Some people will be property. You'll see their houses. There you go. Enjoy. Others will be land. There you go. Enjoy it. So why is Allah Ta'ala doing that? Because he's highlighting you wasted your life. You wasted it. But what will people be straining their necks for? Deeds. It's too late. You can't do any deeds now. But on the day of judgment, you'll realize that. But this is why it's so important that you focus upon the hereafter. Unless you you know you lose the you know, and that's why the Quran is telling you you gotta get rid of that illness. Wealth, you know, people go obsessed with it, you know, and they die. And then what happens? Other people inherit it. And what's shocking is if you look at the hadith, you'll get groups of people around the same wealth. Why? Because they all kill for the same wealth. How many people have been shot dead over a piece of land? The same piece of land. Imagine 200 years ago, 100 years ago, future, same land. Land's still there. Why did you do that? Right? And again, there you go. You know, day of judgment. When you're standing in front of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you got nothing, the Quran, the Hadith says, Boham, nothing. You come with nothing. In another report. So then, so now moving on. So verse 105. Before this, we wrote in the Zabur, after the dhikr, my servants, the righteous, shall inherit the earth. So what is this in reference to? Before this, we wrote in the Zabur, after the dhikr. So in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Mujahid and others, Rahimahumullah, they said, Az-Zabur means the books which came after the dhikr. And Al-Dhikr is Ummul Kitab, the preserved tablet, which is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one meaning here in verse 105 is the Zabur, uh, basically all the divine books. And the dhikr is the preserved tablet. In another report, in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, it mentions another meaning. Ibn Abbas said, The Zabur is that what was revealed to Dawood and Al-Dhikr is the Torah. So putting it simply, there's two meanings here. Zabur, either means the scripture given to Dawood or it means all the divine books and al-dhikr refers either to the Torah or to the divine tablet so what does Allah Ta'ala say before this we wrote in the Zabur meaning either the scripture given to Dawood or all the scriptures after the dhikr meaning either the Torah or the divine tablet and what does it say my servants the righteous shall inherit the earth. So what does that mean? In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Ibn Abbas recited this portion of the verse 105. My servants, the righteous, shall inherit the earth. He explained. This means paradise. So even though Allah Ta'ala says they will inherit ard, the earth, Ibn Abbas and the Sadaf said it doesn't mean the earth, it means paradise. Mm. <coughs> so now, a few things pointed out here.
So Mufti Shafi, in Ma'rifah Al-Quran, volume 6, page 234 of the English translation, he said, Ard, in this verse, all commentators agree that the word in this verse refers to paradise. Ibn Jarir reports this explanation from Ibn Abbas. The same explanation is reported from Mujahid and many others of the Salaf. Imam Razi, rahmatullah, said that another verse of the Quran supports this explanation. The verse is Surah 39, verse 74. What does it say there? And has bequeathed upon us the earth for us to make our dwelling wheresoever we will. The words used in the verse that the pious will inherit the earth also lend credence to the view that the word Ard means paradise because the land of the earth can be inherited by all, whether believers or unbelievers. So Mufti Shafi, he says, unanimity is referring to paradise because the Quran also mentions the word Ard for paradise in Surah 39 verse 74. So in Surah 39, verse 74, if you look at the context, it mentions there, they will say, Praise be to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, who has fulfilled his promise to us, and has given us this earth in heritage. We can dwell in paradise as we will. How excellent a reward for those who work righteousness. So why does Allah Ta'ala refer to paradise as earth? Because he's explaining this passage. This is what Mufti Shafi is saying in Imam Razi. Because Arad doesn't always mean the world. It could mean paradise. And then he explains, the land of the world can be inherited by all. Sometimes by the believers, sometimes by the unbelievers. Then he said, also the phrase that the pious will inherit the land follows the mention of Qiyamah. And it is well known that after Qiyamah, there will be no land of the earth but only paradise. Look at the context. Allah Ta'ala was a new universe, a new creation. And then he mentions, the righteous will inherit the earth. What earth? There's no earth, right? So context, Ibn uh, Mufti Shafi said, refers to paradise. Now why is that important? Because some fruitcake said it refers to the world. And then people start saying, well, well, we haven't inherited the world. The kuffar are in charge. Because you've given an incorrect meaning of the verse. Right? You've taken it literally. And this is why you turn to the authorities and they will give the meaning. And just to add this to finish, Shaykh Maududi in his commentary of this verse, he says something, he adds something. As regards to the inheritance of the earth in this worldly life, Allah gives it as a heritage to those of his servants whom he pleases. Irrespective of whether they are believers or unbelievers, righteous or wicked, not as a reward, but for their trial. Your Lord will make you rulers on the earth and he will see how you conduct yourselves. The heritage of the earth in this worldly life is neither permanent nor everlasting. It is merely bestowed as a trial for different communities. So, Sheikh Maududi, and this is the problem, we're distant from the Quran, he's quoting Quran. Did you realize that? Right? He's quoting Quran. What was he quoting? Surah 7 verse 128. So in Surah 7 verse 128, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention there? He's talking about the narrative of Musa alayhi salatu wa salam. And what does Musa alayhi salatu wa salam say? Verse 128. He said to his people, Pray for the help from Allah. Be patient. 
For the earth is Allah the last to give as an inheritance to such of his servants as he pleases. So Shaykh Maududi says that is talking about the world. Why? Because in the next verse, verse 129, it said, They said, we have had nothing but trouble both before and after you came. He said, it may be that your Lord will destroy your enemy and make you inheritors in the earth. That's so he may test you. So Shaykh Maududi is saying, the righteous and the unrighteous inherit the earth. Before that, it was the pharaohs, uh, the pharaohs. Then it became Bani Israel's. Well, Allah says, this is a trial now, a test for you. So note, in that passage, it's not talking about paradise. Even though similar words are used. But Shaykh Maududi is saying that you've got to look at the context to understand what is being referred to here. So in a nutshell, going back to the verse that we're going through, Allah says in the previous books, In the Zabur and after the Zikr, it mentions, My servants, the righteous, shall inherit the earth. There's a condition, righteous, but the righteous don't always inherit this earth. So that's the proof it's not talking about the world. It's talking about paradise. I'm sorry, the last verse, verse 106. Verily in this is a message for people who would worship Allah. So now what's interesting here to conclude. The last revelation is the Quran, which confirms previous scriptures, corrects the errors which men introduced into them, and explain many points in detail for all who seek right worship and service. Whether they inherit the previous books or not, it is a universal message. So look how beautiful. We don't realize how lucky we are. So what do I mean by that? We don't need the previous scripture. We haven't, you know, we're not, I'm not bothered, right? It doesn't concern me. We've got the Quran and Sunnah. So Allah is telling you, whether you've inherited that or not, you've been given guidance. In fact, you probably know better because you need to purify the previous scriptures to find out where the truth lies within it. But here, why is that interesting? After mentioning inheritance, Allah is now mentioning the Quran. That is the ultimate inheritance. If you're going to be proud of anything, verily in this is a message for people who would worship Allah. Abideen, meaning this is all you need. And Alhamdulillah, we've missed it. You know, for example, just to conclude, if you look at the previous scriptures, how on earth are you going to purify it? For example, Suleiman uh, according to the Bible, the Christians, he was an idol worshipper. And according to the Bani Israel, he was into witchcraft. So the Jews believe he was a magician. The Christians believe he's an idol worshipper. So do we need to now start getting entangled, trying to work out where the truth is in the previous scriptures? Not bothered. Quran and Sunnah says he was a prophet of God. Class, we've been saved from it. However, we don't gratitude for that. Or we daydreaming. We don't even realize how fortunate we are. That's why, look, you know, they have to wrangle their heads out whether he's pious or whether he's not pious. Quran's giving you the guidance. Then you look at the other prophets. Dawood committed adultery. Do we need to know that? No. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't send one of his right hand men to battle so he could marry his beautiful wife, whom he saw bathing naked. Nuta, he got drunk and he slept with his daughters. Right? 
Look up, you know, we should be so grateful we missed all that rubbish. So Allah is saying, verily in this is a message for people who will worship, meaning this is the inheritance. In this the Quran says you should rejoice in another passage in the Quran. So I'll decide the verses. And we will Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> وَلَقَدْ قَتَبْنَا فِي الزَّبُورِ مِنْ بَعْدِ الذِّكْرِ أَنَّ الْأَرْضَ يَرِثُهَا عِبَادِيَ الصَّالِحُونَ إِنَّ فِي هَذَا لَبَلَاغًا لِقَوْمٍ عَابِدِينَ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an and the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any errors which I may have inadvertently. Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa billahi min shururi anfusikum subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr illa sanna fi khusr alladhina amanu wa 'amilus salihati wa asbihi al-haqq wa asbihi as-sabr subhanallah wa bihamdi